Hey everybody and welcome to the Fathoming Heavy Podcast. My name is Andrew and today my guest is Chris Lemos, guitarist in Sacramento-based doom band Church. Uh, when I started this podcast a few years back, Church was on the short list of bands that I wanted to connect with for this podcast, and it's taken a while, but we were finally able to make it happen. I uh, shot up to Sacramento a couple of weeks ago and hung out with Chris at his place for a couple of hours. We recorded one of those hours, and that is what you are going to hear next. Um, Church released their second record, Light Will Consume Us All, last year on Neurot Recordings, and uh, that one is um, also among what would be, you know, my top of, of 2018. So you should definitely check that out. Um, there's a lot coming up for them. We get into that and we get into where Chris came from and we talk about why Doom is so special and vibrant uh, and important to the heavy music scene right now. Uh, so thanks to Chris for sitting down with me and having this great conversation and thank you all for listening. You can you can connect with me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. I don't do much with any of that, but um, you can find me and send me a message. Uh, Gmail, fathomingheavy at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right. Thanks again for listening. Enough of this. Let's do it. As I was coming up here, realizing that you know you and I don't know each other at all. Yeah, and I mean we we talked like over a loud band. Yeah. for like ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> which was basically just like me saying, "Hey, are you into doing this?" And you said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do yeah, that." And totally. Yeah. So here we are, like five months later. Five months later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was at the uh, was at that the Yob show. I think the it was the Yob show, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 How was it touring with them? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Like seeing that band every night, hanging out with those yeah. guys, just. It's kind of like put a new. It put like a cool, like refreshing, I guess, spin on kind of why we're doing it in the first place, right? Yeah. So it's like you get into we get into heavy playing heavy music just as an outlet, or playing music in general as an outlet, and sometimes it just comes out heavy. But Yob has always been one of those bands for all of us that was like untouchable, kind of, you know. Yeah. And like the first from the first time I saw him, it was just like jaw-dropping yeah so to be able to like experience that every night and see them every night and then to get to know them even better on top of that you know it was it was pretty pretty magical how many times did you get to see them on that tour how many dates was that it was supposed to be eight shows but mike got sick and we had to cancel two of them right yeah so it ended up being six okay six shows in 10 days okay yeah it was supposed to be eight shows in 10 days we had two days off which turned into four obviously but okay. yeah he uh got sick it was super unfortunate but he made it through. Oh, he, we were, Oakland was on the fence until like the day of. I remember that. Yeah. It was yeah. like noon and we were like, do we, cause we, we just ended up coming home because we were in like Albuquerque with okay. two shows canceled. It's like, well, what do we do? Buy time or go home either way, you know? Uh, and yeah, noon, the day of we're like waiting and like texting the tour manager, like, are we on tonight? Should we like leave? What's going on? You know? And it just, she was like, yep, yeah, we're going, let's go. Okay. And everyone was, and then it was like calling everyone. All right, get in the band. Let's go. It's time to go. <laughs> so you guys were back here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He lost his voice. I think. I think yeah. That's what's yeah. Going. He got, 
Um, I don't know. It's kind of seemed like it was like maybe some sort of like laryngitis or okay. something like that. Yeah. I could I could be mistaken, obviously, but he didn't seem very like physically ill. He just like didn't have a voice. Yeah, he his voice just disappeared. And uh, he showed up. We played L.A. Amazing show. Um, and then we had two days off. And the next the, the next show when we picked back up was in Albuquerque. And uh, Acid King had gone off and done Denver like alone. And we just kind of went through, hung out in Flagstaff. And we all got to Albuquerque and Mike kind of came in and he was like, man, my voice is feeling kind of rough. I'm going to see how it goes at Soundcheck, you know, and Soundcheck, it was still rough, but he was like, I mean, we're here. We're not going to cancel it. We're, we've like loaded in. We're soundchecking, you know, we'll play. Yeah. And you could just tell, man, during the set, like it was, it was getting, you could tell that he was hurting, but still even somehow, some insane way, it was still like so good. And he was still just so on point. He probably would completely disagree with me right now. But oh man, they were still so good. So and but then yeah, after the show, he was like, couldn't even talk. Oh, okay. Like had no voice. Woke yeah. up the next morning like zero. Yeah, that's it. Well, I'm glad they made the Oakland show. Yeah, um, me too. Man, that was a great show. What and a it, way to end that tour. Yeah. And you know, I guess the thing that that I'm noticing because this particular version of Yap has been playing together for a long time. Yeah. Ten, eleven. Something like that. Yeah, 12 years, and it shows. Totally, they are so tight, and they are so good as a band. It's like know? ridiculous. Yeah, man. it's not. It's not just Mike. Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. he's sort of the centerpiece of it yeah. all, but those guys are yeah. are Travis and, Aaron. and like Mike and Travis have been. I mean, Travis is, I think, OG drummer. If not, or he's early on. So he's early him, on. At him least, and Mike yeah. have been you yeah. know, together for a minute, but adding Aaron in the mix, it was. I never got to see. Them without Aaron, I've only seen Yob since the new mm-hmm. incarnation mm-hmm. or the current incarnation, I guess. But yeah, man, Aaron and Travis were just locked. Yeah, so like a fucking locomotive. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. What a, I mean, just what a band. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's it's. <laughs> I man, I still tear up every time I see him. Like yeah. straight up, uh-huh. you know, it's just like so moving. It's crazy. Did you get to see them again in December? Did they come through? No, but I did get to see them in December. They okay. didn't come through, but uh, I was on tour, uh, doing sound for chemists and they played the decibel tour or the decibel fest in LA. Right. And that was the last show of the tour. Okay. Uh, and they played Saturday. So we got to just hang out Sunday cause there was nowhere to go. Okay. And y'all played Sunday. Okay. And so did Celtic frost. Oh my God. It was great. It was insane. It was like the heaviest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh my God. It was so good. Yeah. But yeah. And, and then too, it was just like, and that was at the will turn in LA, which is a great venue, but it's like very cavernous and huge and just like echoey. And it's hard to capture a band in yeah. there. You know what I mean? Even slow music, like fast music, it's almost impossible to mm-hmm. capture how like intense it is because it just disappears immediately. Yeah. But even with a slow band, it was still kind of hard, but they still somehow were just like crushing. It was so good. Both of those bands. Yeah. I think Celtic Frost was just like loud enough that they just like kind of overcame any, dis- <laughs> any like any sound disappearing. It was just like, wall. Like, Had awesome. you ever seen Tom Moyer before? No. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah, I bet that was amazing. It was great. Yeah. It was, yeah, really, really good. And that was all Celtic Frost, right? Yeah, all Celtic yeah. Frost. It was so heavy. Oh, my God. Well, how did it start for you? I mean, how did you get into heavy music? Man, um, I grew up, when I was growing up, my parents listened to, like, they grew up in the 60s, 70s. You know, they listened to, like, the classic 60s, 70s bands. Like, they never, they were never really into, like, heavy stuff, like, Zeppelin and the Sabbath was like the heaviest stuff they listened to, but like even that was a little bit far off for them, you know. Mm-hmm. But they like like a lot of like CCR, like the Moody Blues, mm-hmm. like that kind of shit right. was like some of my dad's like favorite stuff. Okay. So I grew up on that, and I mean, I just started 
like the closer I got to be like teenager, like middle school era, era, I was hanging out with a girl and her dad was into like Metallica and shit. And he, and so my first, he like took us to see Metallica on their St. Anger tour. Okay. Not fucking awesome. <laughs> but that was like my first show. I'm like 12 years old, 13 years old, like seeing Metallica going like, Oh shit, this is crazy. Like what the fuck? You know? Like, so I had never really like heard them before. I was okay. just like, yeah, I'll go see Metallica, yeah. whatever. And, uh, What'd that was, and did you like him? Yeah, it was awesome. Okay. I thought it was great, you know, but, but like looking back, I'm like, man, probably a bad tour to see him on, but I'm 12 years old. So sure. I'm into it. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's kind of where it changed for me. But from there I kind of, I started listening to Metallica, but then I went like back to listen to early Metallica. And then I was like, oh shit, this is even better. And that kind of pushed me more towards like the punk side of things Okay. at first. So like in high school, like junior high, high school, I was listening, I was more into like punk. And then the older I got, I guess it kind of just like. I don't really remember like the defining moment when I was just like, oh, slow, heavy music is like where it, where it's at kind of, you know, but kind of just moved from there. Like I started getting into like more crusty, like heavier punk, like tragedy from Ashes Rise and that kind of shit. And then like I went to, I would see tragedy when I would go see tragedy. They were always playing with like metal bands mm-hmm. because they're more of the metallic side. Like punks didn't really like tragedy that much. And like also I guess, like, to backtrack a little bit, when I was in high school, in Sacramento specifically, I don't know how it was in the Bay, I mean, I'm younger, I'm like, I was born in 90, so, I was in high school in, like, the mid-2000s, you know? And you grew up in Sacramento? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I moved here when I was 10, so I lived here for, like, 20 years. Okay. Yeah, in the mid-2000s, in Sacramento, the big metal stuff was, like, metalcore and deathcore. Right. And I was, like, not really into that, it was too cheesy for me, it was too, like, you know, I would go to to shows because that's the shows that were happening. But it never really, like, captured me. You and weren't feeling that kind of, that deeper connection to Yeah, you. exactly. It would, it would just always, it all came off, like, cheesy and, like, to, to like all tough guy, like, bro It's, right. like, all the shit that I didn't like about the jocks in high school. It's, yes. like, now they're playing metal. Yeah. That kind of shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're nailing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> You know? And it's, like, but I had, I, I still have friends that play that kind of shit. And, like, there's cool people, obviously, in every in every sect of the music music world. But, yeah, in general, from an outside perspective, when, you're, when I'm watching, I'm like, I don't like this bullshit you know like whatever yeah so then I'm, I'm starting to get into tragedy and then I go to see I start going to see tragedy shows like in the bay and uh then I get just to start started getting like handed flyers and like or like I would meet people in the bay that would be like oh you gotta come back for this show I think one of the first heavy shows that I went to one of the first like underground heavy shows that I went to in the bay was probably in fuck, I don't know, 2007 or eight. when did when did, when did New Christian get back together when was that show do you remember that show Gilman um, I didn't go to the show at Gilman that you're talking about, but they got back together. I'm going to say, I'm going to uh, boy, I'm going to say it was more like 2011 or 12. Was it really? I, th- I think then so. That couldn't have been it. But I mean, that was like the, I guess that was the show. That was like one of the defining shows where I was like, this is fucking crazy. It was a new Grush show. Yeah. At Gilman. It was like new Grush to spirit. Uh, fuck, I don't even remember how, who else played, but it was, there was like six or seven bands. There was yeah. too many, but too many Doom bands for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was kind of the one, the first show that I was finally, that I was actually like, there's like more to this than I really thought there was, even though I had been listening to like, because at that point I was listening to like Sleep and Electric Wizard uh, right. and all of the, you know, all the bands that you kind of initially get into, the bigger, pop, more popular bands or whatever, sure. once the resurgence started. Sure. That was like, oh shit. And then from there it was like, you know, Neurosis every uh-huh. year on New Year's. And yeah. That kind of shit. And yeah. that's how I, found Yob was seeing Neurosis and I think it was 2011 or 12 too. The, one of the first times Yob played the New Year's show with Neurosis and kind of from there I just took off. I was at the time I was playing in a band called Caulfield that was like kind of more crusty like 
and we started going towards like the more post metal like neurosis style like mm-hmm. influence stuff. And when that band when that band dissolved, it just kind of naturally came to its end. You know, I start I joined a grindcore band called Plague Widow, and kind of went into that scene for a little bit. But while I was doing that, we were starting church. Okay, and it was kind of like. This was like I, I played bass. I didn't. I'm not a bass player really. So I was just like, yeah, I'll play bass in this band. It sounds fun, you know. It's just grindcore. We party. We'll just you know get drunk and play fast. It'll be sick. Yeah. And then yeah, as as that band's going and we're like writing a record and recording a record and it was like we we did we did okay, but I was still like, this isn't what I want to do, you know. And so yeah, and then we started church in shit 2013, I guess. Well, let me back up a little bit and just ask, like, when did you actually start playing? Um, playing guitar. I was probably 12 or 13. My dad had an acoustic guitar in the closet okay. that he just like, I, well, when I first started playing music, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Uh, my first instrument was saxophone. I started playing saxophone in like the school band when I was like nine years old. Okay. And I played that even like up until high school, not a little, a little bit into high school, but not through high school. The reason I stopped was just because I picked up the guitar when I was 12 or 13 and just started liking it more. Like I had my dad, I still have it. I don't have it here, but I have it at my, my mom's house now. It's like a classical, like nylon string mm-hmm. guitar. And it was my first, that was like the first guitar that I learned how to play on. And I, I hated it, but like it was fun to play guitar, you know? And then once I got like in a, like a, a steel string acoustic and then an electric, I was like, oh yeah, this is, that's it. This is, this is it right here. Yeah. Did you like learning like fucking deep purple songs? Yeah. Right. Green day songs and shit, sure. you know, just like the simple shit. Yeah. So you were playing your dad's, Classical guitar. Yep. Did your folks encourage you, you know, when, when you had an interest, started having an interest in the heavier types of music and were going to see Metallica when you were 12? So that was all around the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was kind of all, it kind of all started like right around the same time. Did they encourage that? And, you know, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, my dad, I mean, my dad's the one that kind of was like, hey, I have this guitar if you want to like learn okay. how to play guitar, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, and he had books and I kind of like, because because I was playing saxophone, I learned, I learned how to read music then. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't read music in a while I kind of was thinking the other day I should probably start a refresh yeah. but <laughs> um so but he had like a book and I just kind of started teaching myself okay and like I got to the point where my parents because I I started playing saxophone and then I went once I started playing guitar I, the saxophone kind of like went by the wayside but my my parents had already bought it for me and it's, saxophones are fucking expensive yeah so what kind did you is it a, a tenor, like a, a tenor. Okay. yeah and it's like you know even used it's like a 1500 yeah. instrument or yeah. something yeah. so when I started playing guitar they were like, we'll see how this goes, uh-huh. kind of thing. You yeah. know, it's like, we bought you this fucking expensive-ass saxophone. You stopped after three or four years. I'm not going to buy you shit <laughs> until you pass that, you know, benchmark or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I did. I just kept playing, you know, and then they eventually were like, yeah, this is cool. And I, they bought my first, like, amps, little plastic practice amp yeah. guitar setup. And uh, it just kind of went from there. started playing in punk bands in high school, you know, and uh, they were always like, you know, just get your schoolwork done type uh-huh. shit, you know, but right. like, yeah, they were down, they were cool. And then once I started touring, they were like, I don't know about this. This seems crazy. You should probably get a job. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, fuck you mom. And, uh, just kept touring and then eventually turned it into, I mean, church doesn't make like money like that, but like turned my love of music into a way to make money. And so now since then they've just been like, cool, Do you're it. doing it, whatever, yeah. you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause they always, they always kind of like, were supportive and raised me like if this is what you want to do do it uh-huh. but don't be surprised if you can't kind of thing right. you know but when i did when i like figured out a way they were just like sick that's awesome that's crazy like so sorry they, we kind of touched it so the whole said, time, here's you know? the reality of it yeah super hard but if you can make it work and yeah then 
Yeah. And it's, it is hard. It's a struggle. It's a constant grind, but did you, were, you, were you touring with Caulfield? Yeah. And, and what was the other band? Plague, Plague Widow. Plague Widow. Yeah. yeah. Plague Widow, Plague Widow, Caulfield did a shitload of touring and that okay. was, that was like, that was like DIY punk touring. We weren't, we didn't really make like that much money and I was still living at home. I was like, that was between like 17 and like 21 ish. I actually think I heard of. I've heard of Caulfield. I may have. I don't know. We did a lot of touring. Okay. Like, so, I, I mean, it's possible. We played the Bay a bunch. Yeah. Um, we used to play, we were like, like I said, when we started, we were like kind of like a more punk, like hardcore band and it kind of gradually got heavier. Right. Um, but we would play like punk shows in the Bay. Like one of our first shows in the Bay was um, at Gilman with Hell Bastard and Resistant Culture. And it was like Gehenna. I don't know. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with Gehenna? Gehenna is like one of sure. Gehenna's first shows back, I okay. think, or something. It was huge. It was fucking crazy. We were stoked. But that's the kind of shows that we played like that. Or we would play with like Skin Like Iron a bunch out there. But yeah, we would tour constantly, like relentlessly. Like, uh, I think one year we were gone like probably nine months or something like that. Mm. And it was like, and like I said, it was all punk, like DIY touring. We weren't really making that much money, but we were all young enough that like we could just figure it out, you know? Yeah. Like we would make enough to come back and be like, cool, I can like eat this month and then we're leaving in three weeks. So it doesn't matter. And I don't right. have to pay rent. So it's cool. You know, yeah, a hand to mouth kind of thing, but yeah, you were having a good time and exactly. You're making music and seeing the country. Yeah. So both of those bands are very different from what you're doing with church. Yeah. So what was kind of your, what was the thought process or what was the inspiration behind that, um, evolution, you know, from, you know, more of a, you know, obviously a super fast thing to it, something mm-hmm. that is much more slow. Um, and I mean, you, you mentioned you were getting into bands like Sleep and Electric Wizard and kind of the, mm-hmm. those big bands who are great, but also can be looked at as kind of, you know, gateway bands. Totally. For, yeah. Um, they are great. And they're, they're like the kind of like the, the base of it all. Right. Yeah. I mean, like they're kind of the, one of the first of that like i mean arguably sabbath is the first right but like sabbath and then you have you know like trouble and candle mass i mean yeah it, there's yeah a, it, e- there, each generation has a bunch there's an evolution there's an sure. evolution but like for modern heavy yeah. slow and low right it was like sleep and electric wizard and yeah. newthgrush and yob even i mean yob sure. started a while ago too like those kind of bands like were yeah kind of like the base of it but they i mean yeah sleep and electric wizard kind of are they're like the quote-unquote like gods or whatever of yeah. it, right like they're like the biggest of the big and the and the, and the thing but they're kind of they are like stepping stone bands a little bit too where it's like nobody's does nobody has done it as good as they have but there's so many copycat bands of that that it's like eventually it's like yeah you gotta reach out and find find new avenues yeah to get that same feeling so i don't know i mean i guess the the evolution was kind of just i, I wouldn't say i was tired of playing fast because i still have a power bounce band like currently mm. but it was just kind of like i wasn't like like the later caulfield stuff that we were writing when we broke up was like slower and more doomy and it just felt good to play and i was like this is that's what i want to do it just feels like there's there's a certain certain level of release that's bigger when you like hit a huge chord uh-huh. out of like a wall of amps and you can just feel it and hear it, and it's like it feels like something. It's ta- it's like coming out of you as opposed to you putting it out there. You know, like you're like, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, it's, and it feels like you can hang out in it a little bit more. Yeah, and it, and you want to hang out. In yeah, it a bit more, right? yeah, and it's kind of like, and you can really. I feel I always felt like with this kind of stuff, or I have started to feel like with this with like the slower music, it's more 
cathartic. It's just you can like experience it in a completely different way, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like sometimes it forces you to experience it in a completely different way because it's so in your face about how it's just so it, it feels emotional. It sounds emotional. You don't even have to know where it came from to understand how sad or mad the person was when they created it. Mm-hmm. You just hear it coming mm-hmm. out of the riff, right? You know? Um, maybe not even the riff, just like the overall atmosphere of the what's atmosphere being created. Of, right. You know, it's interesting when I look back on kind of the history of doom and slow, you know, slow, heavy music. I mean, obviously it's existed in metal for a long time, but it feels like we're kind of in, um, we're in the middle of sort of a renaissance yeah. uh, as far as that type of heavy music goes. And I, and I, whenever I'm talking to somebody who plays that type of music, I'm always interested in what that person thinks. I'm interested in what you think about why, why now? Uh, or is there something about this world we're living in now that is making people want to hang out with this type of music and experience this type of music and, and make this type of, of art more so than in previous years or I mean, what do you think? Um, What's been your experience and what are your thoughts about that? I mean, I think it's, I definitely think the internet has a lot to do with it. But I also think that the direction that, I mean, localized specifically, I guess the direction that like our country's in going in right now or, and has kind of been going in is uh, pretty dismal. And you find a lot of dark feelings and vibes in doom music yeah. and slow music in general. And people can relate to it, I think, a little bit more so now than maybe before. And uh, I don't know. People, I mean, it also kind of, I think, takes a while for a certain kind of thing because it's very i mean doom doom and sludge and like slow heavy music is pretty unconventional i mean sleeps the, the <laughs> sleeps dope smokers an hour fucking long song like right. who i mean there's a reason they had trouble getting that record released right because that's unconventional as fuck that's crazy a major label is not going to put out an hour long song and i think it took a long time for people because i mean they're playing this music coming to like old heads that have, that own this label or what, or any, I mean, take sleep out of the situation, but just specifically, I guess, like, you know, there's like these younger dudes playing this new music that are coming to older heads, trying to get it out there. Right. And that's the only way to get your music out there. Pre-internet is to put, get it on a label that w- will release it to mass amounts of people. Right. Sure. And that didn't happen for a long time because it's, it's like heavy, heavier than anything else out there right now. S- way slower and unconventional, way longer, like not radio friendly. Like how is how are people gonna hear it? You right. know, unless you go to shows. And music kind of also is like as much as it's about the music for a lot of people, like especially me and you, going to shows also is like a social aspect. There's a sure. social aspect to it. So yeah, like absolutely. a lot of people that are hesitant to go see music aren't gonna go if none of their friends are going. So I think took a while for something like this for something as unconventional as this kind of music is to catch on to like the gen- general public. I think metal in general has gotten bigger too. I, think I mean, Metallica is like the biggest band in the fucking world. In the world. You know, yeah. and they're a metal band. Right. And I kind of wonder if, if just how busy and noisy and crowded everything has gotten from cities to freeways to just the, the constant noise of the internet and mm-hmm. social media and, and all of the things that um, are competing for our attention. I think for me, it's being aware of all that and feeling the fatigue 
and then finding a type of heavy music that has a lot of space in it where I'm not feeling like I'm being beaten over the head. And I like to be beaten over the head by music too. I mean, not totally take it, take it, you know, not to take away anything from, from super fast music, but yeah, also kind of the older I get, the more that I'm looking for like kind of a, a place of refuge in, in the art that I'm wanting to experience and, and the music I'm wanting to listen to. You know? I guess that's a good point. I've never really thought about it like that, but that yeah. is, it, it's, I mean, even subtly, right? Because I definitely seek that sort of like refuge from the real world. And even though I've never thought about it like that, that's definitely an aspect of that, like an, an aspect of the music that makes it appealing mm-hmm. to listen to, to hear, to like, and even within that space, there is still so much like pent up aggression yeah. and like pent up like sadness and yeah. like just natural depression that comes with all of that stuff that I mean, most people generally deal with on a regular basis. True. You know? Sure. It's all right there. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do it. It's just, it makes it, it gives you the refuge you're seeking while also being relatable because you can feel like I like, like I was just saying, like we were just talking about, you can feel the emotions coming out of it mm-hmm. while also like finding that like relaxation within it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost like a meditation type. Yeah. And when you're listening to it or you're watching it, you're watching a band play it or when you're playing it, when you, when you yourself are playing it, you know that for that set amount of time, like this is what is happening and this yep. is the space that you're in, especially when you're playing it. I mean, if you're watching it or listening to it, you can always go in another room or turn it off or whatever, but yeah. when you're on such playing it, that is what for the next 45 minutes or whatever you're, you're going to be completely focused on and immersed in. Yeah. Right. And so, and it's like, it, it, it is an outlet. It's like, that's why I play music. And that's why I like most of us play music. I feel is like it, it it's an outlet. It, it helps you focus your energy and focus your good feelings and your bad ones. Generally your bad ones. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And can like put it out there in a positive way. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, it doesn't have to necessarily make you feel good to be positive. Right. It can, it or can healthy make, or healthy. Yeah. And like there's as much benefit to living in a negative headspace as there is living in a positive one. You just have to balance it. Actually. Sure. You know, you have to have both. Yeah. 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 There is no light without darkness. There you go. Neurosis, you know, like it's <laughs> one of the reasons that band is so amazing. Yeah. But yeah. And it's also like, it takes a lot out of us, uh, like personally at like mm. church to play. It's, it's very, it's a very like emotional roller coaster whenever we play. And it kind of depends on the set. We, that's also, we, when we, when we, tour usually we don't play the same set every night okay because one it kind of takes the magic out of it and two sometimes we play a set and we're like that was fucking crazy we can't do that tomorrow like i it just put us puts you in a weird headspace Uh, where it's like not necessarily unhealthy but not necessarily where you want to be right Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. you know based on you know whatever you have going on exactly in the moment like it could be anything could have like just woke up in a shitty mood and like playing a song that you always play all somehow took you to a dark place that you don't want to be in anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, or it could be you're on the road, things are happening at home. There's no, you have no control over it. You know, just, it could be anything. Do you ever get to the point where you say, I just can't, I just can't play this tonight. Like I can't, I don't want to play a show tonight because I don't want to hang out in this tonight. Uh, not ever a show, but there's definitely been nights where someone in the band, just was like we can't play the song. Like, okay, I'm not. Right. not I'm not going to play the song. There's there's a couple songs we just don't play anymore because it at the time that we wrote it, 
and then going off of after like playing it too it's just like it kind of took us all to a place where we didn't necessarily need to be in the uh-huh. moment you know and especially after playing certain songs for so long and we're focusing on trying to create something new and like you know further the further the story of what we're trying to put out there we kind of realized you know playing this song isn't conducive to what we want to do right now right so we kind of have to put this like you know, on the back burner for a right. little while for who knows how long maybe right. forever well, let's actually just talk about church a little bit. You started in 2013. Yeah, like the winter of 2013. Okay. And then... Uh, and that was based... I mean, you, all of you were based in Sacramento. Yep. Uh, we started practicing in Ava's basement. Okay. Uh, not in her current house, but down the street from where she was, where, where you came from. And, and like, how did... Did you know these guys? Did you know Ava? How did you guys... Yeah, so um, Ava lived with Hal, who plays guitar in Plague Widow. And at the time, Plague Widow was going. And so... That's where also where Play Widow played, and I wanted to I wanted to start this uh, Doom band. I had a friend, like a really good friend that I've known forever, that was playing guitar at the time, and then our current bassist, he was he didn't have a band, and I was like, yo, do you, like he usually he he's the same way. He came from the punk scene, like he's a skater, like he listens to thrash and shit. Like he doesn't really listen to the slow music that much, but he like, I mean, he does, but that's not what he listens to, mm-hmm. so, you know. So he gets it, but I was just like, hey. You wanna, you guys wanna start a doom band? Like I have a couple riffs. Uh, let's just get together and jam and see what happens, you know. And uh, we didn't have a drummer, and the, our original drummer came. He, he, I knew him through the scene, but I didn't really know him very well. And neither of the other guys knew him at all. He just came in one day, and we just started jamming a riff, and uh, it worked out. It really. just worked. Yeah, and then uh, Ava kind of came in like right at the beginning too and it was just like hey like I'm gonna just you know start singing we didn't really have any ideas of anything really we were just like jamming and, and she had of, never been in a band before no. is what I understand well she had but they didn't really do anything they okay. practiced they wrote some stuff but she hadn't like ever played a show okay. or anything like okay. that you know like our first show was her first show ever and our first show also I think was our guitarist our original guitarist I think it might have been his first show playing guitar too like, he'd always been a vocalist. He's played guitar forever, but he never, like, played guitar in a mm-hmm. band, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of firsts, kind of. Yeah. We, and it just kind of, like, came together pretty naturally. We just started writing, and we never really, like... We had, like, some throwaway stuff, but, like, the first stuff we wrote what ended up just being our first record. It just kind of took, uh, like, a year to even get yeah. a couple songs together. Well, those are long songs, too. Yeah. I first... I had heard of Church, but the first time I saw you was at... The Milk Bar in San Francisco. Ooh, Bong Ripper? Yeah. Sick. And you were still church with a U at that point. Totally. Right? And yep. I bought your tape that night, which I think was on Transylvanian tapes. Yeah. That was like before that even got like fully released, I think, right? And the black and white cover. Yeah. 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 So um, that was my first exposure. And there, even then, I mean, there was something kind of ritualistic about the set. Yeah. And how it came off and I'd say that that's only gotten deeper and has only gotten become a big kind of thing but that that was the first time I had seen you the first time I had actually heard you and bought that cassette and have been you know paying very close attention since and and bought the the (coughs) vinyl pressing when that came out and of course between the cassette and the vinyl pressing there was a name change yeah or (laughs) <laughs> a shortening yeah and people kind of, I, I'm sure probably kind of know that story already and even on the DLP you put the insert is just a, a copy of the letter the yeah. cease and desist but I just like to hear the story from you about <laughs> what happened <laughs> um, the record was already at the plant it okay. was like we had already sent it 
we had already have the, we already had the artwork done. Everything was there, getting ready, you know. And uh, I woke up one day to uh, just like my phone having like just a million notifications from like our label head, Ava, somebody else. I don't remember, but it was just like so. Just like call me right now. Like we need to figure this out right now. And I like work nights, so I slept in later than most people. And I woke up and I was just like, "Fuck, what's going on?" You know. So I called. I called Ava. She was like, "Call David." I called David. Who's David? Uh, David is the head of, or was the head of Battleground Records okay. before our rest in peace. Yeah, they're, they're not a label anymore, but yeah, he's a really good friend. Really, really good friend. He's uh, based from Arizona, lives up in uh, southern Washington now. And he's not dead. The label's dead. The label's dead. Yeah. He's not dead. No. <laughs> I love you, David. So, called him up, and he was like, dude, uh, I just got a cease and desist from this fucking hotshot lawyer. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, the, like, like, it's like a church fucking suing us or something, you know? And he was like, no, there's like this band, The Church, from Australia. And they sent us, they got a hotshot lawyer, like, sent us a cease and desist. And it was kind of one of the, he was like, we need to figure out what to do, like, right now. Within an hour, I need to call the plant and let them know to keep going, basically, you know? Because it was, like, in process. He was mm-hmm. just like, we have no choice. Either, either we stop the process and it's going to take six more months to get the record out or we figure it out right now. So we kind of all, you know, got together, talked about it, like emergency band meeting, time, right. you know, and decided that taking the U out was probably just the best path to go because we all really liked the name. I mean, like when we came up with it, when we thought of the name, it was kind of just like, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. It's like going to church for us is playing music, you know, it's like a release. It's part of, part of who we are. Yeah, and that ties back into the comment that I made. I'm realizing about the sort of ritualistic yeah. aspect. Of, yeah, and it was kind of not even like those aren't necessarily related, right? It's just kind of like yeah, a, a natural progression of a natural out, sure like output, you know. And so we we're like, well, we really like the name. We don't want to just change it. Plus, that'd be weird. We already have this record out under this name, you know. Like technically, it's like on tape and right. online. And so we just decided to do that, but we called David and he was like, well, we can't put the logo, like we can't put your name on the, on the cover because like the artwork's already submitted basically. So all we can do is just take the logo and the name off of it on the first pressing. So on the first pressing, there's no name on it at all. It just says unanswered him. So that's yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and that's why on the second pressing, we, when we put the logo on there, we put the cease and desist okay. inside yeah. just to be like, hey, you know, like because <laughs> we, we never publicly said anything really. So we were just like, just put it in here. I mean, everybody knows at this point anyway, yeah. but you know, kind of a little funny, funny additive to the, yeah. to the whole saga of that ridiculous shit. So, I mean, were you guys, you must've just been freaked out more was, than anything else. Yeah. It was more like annoying than anything yeah. else. Honestly, like it was definitely like a little nerve wracking at first. Cause we were like, fuck, what are we going to do? And it was also like, even though it's such a subtle change, it's still like, we're building this thing, right? And it, like, wasn't yeah. even trying. I mean, everyone's just started, we started just to start and it kind of picked up like immediately. Right. So we're building this thing and now all of a sudden we have to change our name in the middle of building this thing before our first record even comes out. Right, right. It's like, that sucks, right. you know? But right. worked out, it's fine. And I guess better then than much further down the road. Absolutely, you know? yeah. I mean, it, it definitely happened at the best time it could, even yeah. though it was still annoying. Like, if it happened now, we'd be like, fuck <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. You guys are so far in at this point. Yeah. So you weren't on the hook for any, you didn't have to pay them anything. No, they were yeah. just kind of like, they also, I don't think they were stoked on the decision. They were just like, this isn't like far enough. I was wondering about that. Yeah. But we were just like, it's not the same. Like yeah. legally, now you have no legal grounds. So right. 
here we are. You and know? not one person is going to mix the bands up anymore. No. At all. <laughs> at all. So, it, like, the whole thing is kind of dumb anyway, because it's like, I don't know how true this story is, but I heard a story when, when all of this was going going on, and I was talking to, like, friends about it and how annoyed, annoying it was. Um, a fr- I had a friend tell me a story about the Locust from San Diego. They were called Locust originally. Mm-hmm. There was another band called Locust that already had their name copyrighted, and they sent Locust a cease and desist, and they were like, well, can we just add the... And, the, and Locust was like, yeah, sure, it's, now it's oh, different. Okay. So I was like, this is like the fucking opposite. Right. So, like, it is technically different. Right. Like, the copyright laws say that this is different than this because yeah. there's another, there, you know. It's and like, there's a president. Yeah, yeah. Just because the word the exists, like, the word the exists, that doesn't make it non-existent, you know what I mean? Right. It's still there in the copyright, but whatever. Copyrights are so weird. They're weird. Laws are <laughs> weird, man. <laughs> well, hopefully you won't have to tangle with too much more of that. I think we'll be okay. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Not yeah. Wood. <laughs> Not wood. So the record comes out, things are in motion. Yeah. I mean, we the record came out, I'm trying to remember exactly when the record dropped. We did a tour right after that. I don't specifically, oh, I think it was Midnight Communion maybe. I think we played Midnight Communion like right after the record came out. And then that spring is when we went to Europe and did Roadburn and all that stuff. So it was okay. like right after the record came out, we were just like nonstop. Okay. And the year that we did Roadburn, we also did Psycho and Southwest Therapist, I think. Okay. So we did like a bunch of tours around all of the. I saw Roadburn and Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Psycho was great too. Yeah. All of them. Southwest Therapist was great too. So and to all the Terrorfests, Southwest Therapist was the original Terror Fest, mm-hmm. and David from Battleground, our, our label rep at the time, was the, is the one that started all of that. Okay. So he started Southwest Terror Fest, moved it to Northwest and Austin. Okay. And then now Southwest Terror Fest is no more, but Northwest and Austin are still right. going. And then news comes out that the next record is going to be on Neurot. Yeah, that was crazy. Which was a crazy surprise. Yeah. So what's the story? How did that happen? It's kind of... It happened multiple ways, because Neurot... Is such an interesting label, man. Those guys are—they kind of fascinate me. The way that that label works is there—it's—it's it's a it's a collective, and mm-hmm. it's like still super DIY, and it has to be a unanimous decision, and everyone has to be on board. So okay. it's kind of like for like anything, kind of like for like tour support, bands putting out records, like in like kind of anything that any anything that's related to Neura, it kind of has to just be a unanimous decision. And who are the decision makers? Is it the five guys in Neurosis? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a couple other people like involved. Okay. So everything kind of takes a while, right? So there was like multiple points uh, to which that kind of, that process kind of started. And I think it initially started, um, I booked Scott Kelly solo at a DIY spot here in town called Colony down the street. And uh, that was the first time I had met him and we just started talking like bullshitting he's a really really cool guy first time i had met him i was kind of nervous at first yeah like, right be crazy yeah. Right? and it's like in a room not bigger than we are in right now so i met him he was super cool the show went off like not that many people were there but like it was amazing he had a great time uh or so he says yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh and then while that's happening a friend of mine starts working for dave the bassist in oakland sure and he's kind of like Hey, I'm like working with Dave. I'm gonna see what's up. You know, like, you, like, cause he's always he, like, he's always been like super supportive of us. Our friend Clint, um, he's always been super supportive of us. Like since day one, he's always been like, you guys are amazing. Like, you need to just do it, just do it. You know. And so he 
started working with Dave and was like, hey, I'm going to just start playing your record at work and just be like, hey, Dave, listen to this Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So while that's happening, I book mirrors for Psychic Warfare. Mm-hmm. And they come through and, uh, again, like, meet Scott. And there was kind of some problems with, like, the, the sound system at the show. Like, they needed, like, a miscommunication kind of went around and they needed a bunch of subs. And this venue that I booked them at was just another DIY spot that didn't have oh, them. Uh-huh. And so I had to find them. And they were, they were like, initially, like, oh, shit, this is going to be kind of rough. But when I found them, they were, like, stoked. They were just like, dude, that's crazy. Nobody, kind of like, you'd be surprised how many people just wouldn't do that. Okay. You know, so they, so they were just stoked. And then Scott and I started talking again. And, like, you know, like, the band came up. And he was like, oh, that's cool. Check you guys out. Like, uh, it's kind of one of those, like, I'd heard the name. But, like, blah, blah, blah. And I've also, I know uh, Scott's son pretty mm-hmm. well, too. Right. And he was like, oh, yeah, Damon's, like, mentioned you guys before. And blah, blah, blah. And so he uh, basically was like, I'll check you guys out. Simultaneously, uh, Clint is playing our record to Dave. And then it just kind of built from there. And like I had the clout with Scott. And Clint is like pushing us to Dave. So it, there's two dudes that are clearly like, oh, this band is like doing stuff. And they're and we like them. And they're like, they're, they are good people or no good people, at least, you know? And uh, it went to the collective, basically. It just kind of, Dave took it to Neuron. Next one day, I just woke up to an email from Steve just being like, hey, mm. do you want to put your record out with us next year? Or, or your next record with us? And, of course, we were like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he, like, let me talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Another emergency band meeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and it just kind of, they've been great to us. It's yeah. been awesome. It just went super smooth. Like, the whole process went super smooth. Everything happened, like, on time or earlier than anything which it never happens for labels ever or records yeah. ever really right yeah. yeah it's been great do you f- foresee that continuing or is it it's a it's a album by album thing and you just need it's to an album by album cross thing. that road when you come to it yeah exactly i mean i would hope but we'll see yeah. but yeah, it's an album by album thing so we're we have started writing okay so we'll see what happens i mean it's writing is kind of a long process for us yeah so as far as the writing goes i would say that the second record feels like a, a fairly significant progression from the first. I think it's everything the first had. I just think it's more f- finely tuned and a bit a bit more realized. I um, mean, I love I love unanswered hymns, mm-hmm. but there's something that is kind of next level about the next record. And even the way you know, if, if you sit there and listen to it, I think as you're supposed to, which is where you're really kind of following it along and and just you're with it for the ride. I mean, the first mm-hmm. song, it's, you know, the same riff essentially for like eight minutes. Yeah. And it's just building an intensity, but there's that space the entire time. And I yeah. feel like that to me takes a lot of skill to be able to keep that interesting and not to leave the listener kind of going, all right, let's skip the next six minutes so yeah. we can get to the next part. It's engaging the entire time, which I think is for me, a uh, in this type of music, a mark of great success. And this is where some bands kind of, I think, fall apart. They can't keep it interesting. And you guys are able to do that in in a really, yeah, a a really stellar way, Um, which is one of the things that I think is so special and unique about what you're doing. I appreciate that. I still definitely think it takes a lot of patience Uh (laughs) to play and to write and to listen to. Right. But... It's it's good to hear that, you know, you th- you think that it can can hold can hold an interest, which is that's yeah all, all, always the that's definitely always the one point where you're like, is this is this interesting enough? You know, it's like we're writing the music for us, 
So there's a there's a level where it kind of doesn't matter, but also like we're putting a record out and wanting to tour on it, so sure. it does matter to a yeah. certain level, you know. So it's it's good to hear. It's good to hear that people or that you think that it it, it holds that interest because it is a long. It's a challenging part. Uh-huh. It is. It's, yeah, like you said, it's ten minutes of one riff that just builds until you're like, is this the same fucking riff still? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You sit there and say, Oh wait, no, but this is still the same. Yeah. This is still the same riff. Kind of like, I mean, it, it happens. It kind of happens like that when we play it too. It's kind of like, you don't realize how long you've been playing it until the next riff comes in and mm-hmm. you're like, Oh shit, we just played that for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's something about the drum sound, especially in, especially in that, that particular riff we're talking about. It's really it, it feels very organic. We spent we spent a lot of time on the drum sound specifically for that part. Okay. I mean, percussion the percussion in our in like our music is probably the most important part, just because it's kind of the thing that's carrying it, right? Like the like the riffs are the riffs are important and they have to be engaging. But like if there's not that a drummer can make or break a band really right yeah. and especially when it's slow right which is another reason why Yava is so good because Travis is just like a fucking human metronome and it's insane and you just watch him and you're just like how is he keeping this super slow shit so interesting right and so it's always been one of the main points that we always want that we always try to focus on is making sure the drums are exactly how they should be sound exactly how they should be more so than anything else in the band I yeah, like. yeah 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 and we, that's part specifically, especially production-wise, we spent a long time focusing on, you know, like, building it. Because, like, when that song starts on the record, the drums are so distant and faint and, like, almost not there. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like they're, like, in another room. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like we were, like, we wanted it to be, to have that build, have the drums build more than anything else. So that you don't, again, it's one of those things where you don't really notice it until it's fully in. And you're yeah. just like, oh, whoa, that was, that kind of, like it took me on a journey and now it's fully realized. Right. And I didn't even realize that it was happening. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would say that's probably the part we spent the the most on the beginning of the beginning of infinite return and especially specifically the drum parts. It also feels, um, on this record and watching you live now, like Ava has really developed and come into her own Mm -hmm. as, as a vocalist and a front person. She seems watching her, Watching her perform, she seems much more, more, much more comfortable yeah, um, and really just there. Mesmerizing. Mesmerizing. Yeah. yeah there's, time, there's, there's times when we're playing where we're, like, we're feeling that too. Okay, you know what I mean? yeah. Like it's like it's everything, everything that we are all putting out. Mm-hmm. Like it takes – like I was saying earlier, it takes a lot out of us. But it's also like part of that is because we have to come together, right? So it's like we're all feeding off of – what she's doing and what what Adam the drummer is doing yeah. and like where everything's kind of like shifting and going yeah. as it goes. Yeah, again talking about about how good of a band that Yob is now. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the same the same kind of thing. You're watching something that you really feel is this group of people playing it's together a, and really locked in. Yeah, it's just yeah. a unit. Yeah. But yeah. it's like like they're all it's like they're one. It's like it's not like three people playing. Right. It's like Yob is like this overseeing entity that's playing music right now. <laughs> right, right. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what I see happening with you guys now. And I think that's coming yeah, after that's awesome. years of touring and you developing know, it and all these shows. And you guys have really, I mean, you're kind of road dogs at this point. It seems like you're always out. Yeah, you know? we're trying. You yeah. Know? It's, it's hard. It's hard to balance it 
when it's like, you know, where you're like not making enough money to sustain a life, mm-hmm. but also play, getting cool enough offers where it's like, yeah, we can go out for like, well, like, yeah, we'll pull with Gavin King. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah. We'll go to Roadburn, like that kind of stuff, you know, right. it's like we're getting, getting offers that are cool enough to justify just doing it yeah. and saying, fuck it. You did Europe last year with Fister. Yes. Right? Yeah. Second time out there. That had to have been a blast. It was great. Yeah. yeah those guys are <laughs> just like like the, the coolest fucking dudes, the like most crushing band. That yeah. Band, they're, watching them just destroy every night was so sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're great. And uh, they had a fill-in drummer on that tour who plays drums in Un, who we're about yeah. to go out with next right. month, which will be fun too. Yeah. So that's next month. How many dates is that? Uh, five. Okay. Starts in Seattle, ends here. And I know Body Void is on part of that tour, but not your yeah, part. Not they start the day after us. Okay. So basically, we're doing from Seattle to Sacramento with Un, and then the last show is the twenty first here, and then the twenty second they go to the Bay and meet up with Body Void, and I think it's the same amount of dates, five dates. And then what? Body Void are great too. Oh, they're great. Yeah. 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 I need to get, I need to get someone on this show from Body Void. They're rad. And Un also. Yeah. 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 And the, yeah, after that, then what? What's um, you guys are writing? Writing. We're working on a cover right now for like a an online compilation that'll probably come out sometime this spring. What cover? Uh, can you say? I can't. I probably can, but I'm not going to because I don't know if I can. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it's another Cult Nation thing. You guys did a Cult Nation thing previously. You did the Wizard. Yeah, we did the Wizard. Um, that was fun. That was super fun. In fact, I think it was one of the best Sabbath covers I've ever heard. Damn, thank yeah. you. That's awesome. That's crazy because that definitely has the best Sabbath cover ever. So I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite cover? You said that that one has the. Uh, my favorite cover, just in general, uh, like Sabbath cover? Yeah, you said that one. Oh, like, I said Val. Oh, Val. Val, yeah. Because yeah, okay. they have that whole EP. They have of, the whole EP. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all amazing. Every they single are. one of them. Yeah. Fuck, I'll, I'll have to revisit that Sabbath record though I don't Trap Within Burning Machinery had a really good one I don't even remember what song they covered it was it was one of the later ones on the, on the record okay. but their cover is really really good too and then so yeah we're doing another cover for a compilation and then Psycho Smoke Out in April okay right that'll be cool right. I think we're probably playing a show the day before Psycho Smoke Out too um, I'm not sure if it's happening yet so I don't want to talk about it but that'll probably that'll probably be a thing too in the bay um, and then we have another tour in the summertime that we're working on with us and you. Okay. That'd be cool. Good. Uh, those are really good friends of ours. Too. Yeah. Um, and then after that, uh, just kind of taking a break for the end of the year. Um, okay. Our drummer is going to school for, he's doing like a six month course, six month course. So he'll be gone August through like January. So we're just going to be writing basically. Some, some shorter tours and then just focusing on writing. Yeah. For the next record and, and whatever else kind of just because up. that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Right? it's just like, back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, music's a release, if we're not playing it or creating it, it kind of, sometimes you don't even realize it, but it, you, you start to get this pent-up, shitty energy Yeah. that, like, and then you, like, go to band practice, and you're like, oh, yeah, I just haven't played guitar in two weeks, that's why I feel like shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you forget it, and then you yeah. realize it, Yep. once you start to let it out. Yeah. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking with me about totally. all of this. Yeah, um, thanks for having me, appreciate yeah. it. Um, and, and glad we finally worked out me too yeah and keep going I mean what you're doing is is awesome and um, 
certainly means a lot to me. So uh, thank you. Uh, I am a fan and uh, have loved watching all of this unfold and look forward to a lot more of it. So I appreciate it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we we appreciate that. I mean, that's you know what part of what keeps us going is just how it's crazy when you play music that like touches people in a certain way. Yeah. It, it's a it's a, it's a weird feeling because I know how much music can touch me. So. Yeah, and I'll just say that, you know, I told this to Ava also, I was in Hawaii last week and uh, spent two of my mornings watching the sun come up, listening to church. Fuck yeah. So, That's and awesome. it was, it was perfect, uh, two perfect moments. So. Thank you. That's <laughs> rad. All right. Damn, that sounds like, <laughs> that sounds awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you.